Well, we're into week seven of isolation here in Australia. Thank you for joining us once again for the NRL podcast. Zach Bailey joined by DW, Dan Walsh, and BW, Brad Walter, in our Zoomabil, as you've uh, nicknamed it, Walshy. Uh, thank you for joining us. How are you holding up, guys? Yeah, well, doing all right, Zach. But I'll tell you, tell you what, I can't wait for footy. I'm getting a bit stir-crazy. I've even signed up to... Um, to, I've even signed up to watch Korean um, soccer, which I think starts starts on Friday night. So, I, I yeah, I don't know. Like, I've sort of watched Netflix and Stan and whatever else is on, and uh, I just want I just want to watch some live footy. That's right. I've been watching as many classic old games as possible that we've been showing on NRL.com, but I want the real stuff back. I want the unpredictability back. Absolutely. I want something where I don't know the result. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else people watch on TV. I've come to the <laughs> realisation that all I actually watch is sport. Well, all I know that Dan Walsh has been watching these days, or today in particular, has been the latest news when it comes to uh, the NRL and uh, vaccinations, anti-vaccinations, crazy old 24 hours. Uh, The good news is, let's start with the positive, teams return to training this week, which is a massive win. But Dan, just on that point, uh, what is the latest? Yeah, well, um, just on... You know, I'm waiting for the news cycle to return to normal as well because, yeah, we're reporting on all sorts of things that just don't come into our our lexicon normally as NRL reporters. Give me the contracts and the injuries any old day. But uh, the latest, Zach, is that... Uh, so there has been a bit of back and forth over vaccinations across the, across the game. But as of uh, Thursday night, the NRL has worked around a, a waiver for anyone who doesn't want to get the, uh, the vaccination for various reasons, we don't need to go too far into it. But uh, as long as you sign the piece of paper that has, uh, that's been worked through in consultation with the RLPA, uh, you're allowed to play and train. So there was uh, back and forth over the wording in that, in terms of beliefs and what players were signing up for. That's now reaching a point the negotiations around that have reached the point where both parties are happy on that. And so, yeah, the anti-vaxxer issue throughout teams to, teams returning the training, it hopefully is put to bed. Uh, and guys, the guys that have uh, come out and spoken on this or been the face of this, uh, Bryce Cartwright and the camp, boys down in Canberra, Thea Soliola, Josh Papali and Joe, Tup- Joe Tapanay, they'll all be training uh, provided they sign this paper, which is all indications are that they're happy to do so. And so there's an agreement reached and another hurdle cleared. So hopefully that's the last of that one. Brad, there's no doubt that there will be more players within the game that share the same view as the players that Dan just mentioned. Do you think that anyone won't sign this waiver and what kind of issue would that pose for the game? No, I think if the waiver's modified as as has been um, suggested, that it'll be okay and this will just be a little... A little hiccup. Ninety-seven um, percent of players in the NRL have already had um, have had a flu shot, so we're only talking about three percent. It's a very small um, number of players. It's become a bit of a public issue. I think it's, I think it's actually it's good that, that footy is able to throw up uh, issues and debates around things that are, that you know that uh, that have come up all the time in society. Um, and, and it's been worked through. So I don't think there's going to be an issue. The players um, who have been, uh, I suppose, the focus of this so far, they've been happy to sign the part of the waiver that 
indemnifies the NR the NRL. They've just got um, issues with um, the, some of the some of the other wording. So there's not going to be a legal issue over it. I think that's that's probably the main the main uh, point um, out of this. So I think I think everything will be okay. Okay, now I did mention that word drama. It seems to follow sport. Doesn't matter where we are in the world right now. There's drama everywhere. Uh, what about earlier this week when a couple of players and coaches, uh, Brad, rocked up to training uh, and they were showing flu-like symptoms? Firstly, it shows that the testing that the NRL has got in place is good because they were sent straight home. But what about the coverage um, of a couple of those players? Everyone's kind of went a bit stir crazy or a bit mad when we heard that you know Latrell Mitchell and Trent Robinson were going to be sent for testing. Well, this is this sort of happened um, early on in the piece as well, um, before the game was shut down. When I think we had Bronson Cherry and Jai Arrow, um, both were sent for tests testing as well, and people sort of reacted like as if they that meant they had the virus and that then they potentially could be infecting other players players and that uh, and the, the game was in crisis and the reality is that yeah the testing is really stringent players turn up they get temperature tested um, if they've got a high temperature they either have to um, sit sit aside for a period of time and then get tested again or they're immediately sent for um, a, a COVID-19 test or if players they fill in a questionnaire and if they say they've got um, you know flu-like symptoms a sore throat or a runny nose they get sent for testing so um, you know the NRL is taking every precaution, and they aren't going to let players who might, you know, who, you know, outside chance, but possibly could, could have it. They're, not, they're going to make sure they get tested before um, they go into that training environment. So I think it's, I think it's pretty good. But yeah, the, 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 the um, I suppose the coverage was like it, it was, it was you were made to think that they, that South Sydney were, um, you know, were about to be unable to play because they, you know, the three of their players went for uh, testing. Well, from the Bunnies uh, to the men that had to drive a little further north than their home base. Of course, we're talking of the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Dan, uh, they're in Albury. Uh, but, again, not without a little uh, a little hiccup along the road. No, this is another one of the stories that kind of developed and sorted itself out within 12 hours. Uh, what I can tell you is the, the, uh, the Storm, they're on the ground and they are very much... Um, good to go in Albury. They've run through all their fitness testing on uh, Wednesday and they'll be there uh, for this week uh, because, of course, Victoria has um, stricter restrictions around group training. So they've crossed the border into New South Wales where they had government permission to do so and to train. But uh, a couple of Albury councillors took issue with where they were training. That got sorted out. They're now at the local AFL ground on what I'm told is facilities as good as any in the NRL. And so... Uh, Except they've got the wrong posts. They've got the wrong posts. They've got to sort <laughs> uh, that out. But, but Melbourne being the most professional club in the game, uh, they will sort it, they've will sort. they sorted it out quick smart. And, yeah, excuse me for this one, but I've got to say, it's a storm in a teacup. But uh, what I liked about uh, how they've come back to training is... Guys like Brandon Smith, who he had to spend two weeks in serious quarantine uh, coming back from New Zealand. He sat himself in a hotel room doing nothing, but he said sitting on an exercise bike, racking up about 30 to 50 Ks a day. And uh, so Brandon's done that for two weeks, got out. He's, you should see that the footage of him is great. He's uh, walking down the street cheering because he's in fresh air. 
And then he's gone up to Albury and absolutely smashed his PB on some of the testing. And a heap of the Storm players have done the same. Cam Munster has also come back. And they're all, they're all running much quicker and much fitter than they did when they, than before they went in, before the competition was put on hiatus. So not unexpected, but Melbourne has come back and absolutely hit the ground running. So you're suggesting that we can't call him the block of cheese anymore. We're going to have to call him the slice of cheese, maybe. He's that thin. Well, his, his phrasing was, I've been training for the Tour de France. So, yeah, there's plenty to work around with this bloke. Uh, he's an absolute character. And I can only imagine what two weeks inside a hotel room was like for him. Because he said he was singing to himself in the mirror. He was bouncing off the walls. And uh, he's come out and he's just so very grateful to be back around his teammates and um, yeah, it shows because he's absolutely smashing the fitness training apparently. So it'd be good to see him when he gets back on the paddock eventually as well. Brad, uh, so the storm had to move to the border town between Victoria and New South Wales or Aubrey, but what about the Warriors? Hats off to them. If they're not everybody's second team already, they've got to be now moving forward. How important are they to the NRL? Because it wouldn't have been the same this year if they weren't making the sacrifices they've made to come to Australia, to come to Tamworth and be part of the comp going forward. Yeah, and we saw when the, when the, um, store, when the Warriors landed in Tamworth on Sunday that um, nearly every other NRL club put out social media thanking the Warriors, announcing they'd arrived. Uh, Brandon Smith, who Dan just talked about, um, he came out and, and spoke about, uh, you know, gave his thanks for, the, for the, um, the sacrifices that the Warriors players have made as well. And, and without them, uh, without, without the Warriors players um, jumping through all the hoops that they had, they have had going into quarantine when they went returned to New Zealand when the comp was shut down, going into isolation up in Tamworth. Um, we wouldn't be able to have eight games a week. There'd be a buy. So that's an incredible sacrifice that they've made. And yeah, they're a um, the Warriors are are one of the most important teams in this competition in terms of what they bring, their presence in New Zealand in a market of five million people. Um, Sky New Zealand has a separate television deal to to Fox and Nine, so that there's income, extra income that's generated into the game on the back of that. But there's also uh, the number of players in the NRL, New Zealand-born players in the NRL has gone through the roof since the, um, the Warriors came into the competition. There were 26 New Zealand-born players in the, in the competition before the, the season before the Warriors joined in 95, and there's now over 114. I think uh, the Bulldogs have got the most. They've got nine players, besides the Warriors, of course. Um, and, you know, international football's developed. Uh, they're really important. When the competition starts, as you said, they're going to be everyone's second favourite team. But over in New Zealand, where they're also starved of sport, they're all going to be watching the Warriors and cheering the Warriors. And, uh, look, I know um, they had a really disappointing season last year, but imagine if they could, you know, imagine if they could make the finals, you know, win the grand final. Imagine what it would be like. It'd be unbelievable. What a story. Yeah, just on that, Brad, um, Cameron George, their CEO, he's a pretty bullish character. And uh, so he flagged you know, the fact that this could, all this adversity they'd face could bring the team together and you know, give them a real, give them some real momentum. He signed off on an email to Peter Volandi saying, all right, we're on our way. We're going to come across and kick all your asses. Um, and in terms of the things they've had to, you know, all these hoops they've jumped through, Things like the plane that they originally were going to come across on to Tamworth, it was too big for the runway. So they had to get another plane. 
Uh, they've had to sort police escorts at both ends in New Zealand and in Australia. Uh, David Fusatua and Nathaniel Roach, they're going to have to come in and do the two-week quarantine in Sydney hotels before they meet up with the rest of their squad. Uh, the, the regimes in terms of getting their guys through training, uh, they're in four groups. One goes to breakfast, another group goes to the gym. While they're at breakfast, the other group goes through stretches. It's military precision, and um, it's just incredible how this club has kept going and all the logistics. Uh, you'd love to see them turn it into some results on the footy field. And now the Warriors on Friday, tomorrow, they have got a day off. I spoke to Blake Green earlier, and he said, I wish we were training because I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. But he said, they've trained hard enough over the last three days. But he said, we're used to it. We've been in lockdown, proper lockdown in New Zealand for a month. Um, but he said the morale now that they're finally here in Australia, despite being away from their families, is uh, a lot better. Uh, now their minds are back on footy and back on the job. Uh, Dan, uh, the 2020 draw going forward, uh, when will we know what it looks like? Uh, I'd love to give you a concrete answer, Zach, because this is, I think this is the question that all footy fans want to know, want to know the answer to. Uh, at this stage, it looks like it'll be early next week. And so there's a lot of factors that still go into this uh, because, of course, we've got a 20-round season and we've got two rounds that already played. So we've got 18 left and every team has to play each other once to go. So that's 13 games done, which leaves us with five to go. And from that, there'll be how they work that out. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, the broadcasters, of course, will get a reasonable say in this because those broadcast talks are still being worked out. But you can expect um, some big games is the simplest way to put it because they're going to rate well on TV. And essentially there's, there's a little bit of because we can, because the draw, it is a different draw. And so why not try and create the bet as much anticipation as possible around the games that we're going to get. So you can expect some of those big rivalries like the Roosters and Rabbitohs, more recent ones like Melbourne and Manly to come through. And there's other factors that come into this as well in terms of uh, you're going to get probably uh, home ground advantage is not seen as, uh, as big an issue as it could in the past because we've got less crowds, right? And more games will be played in Sydney. So, that, so how they work out stadiums is also a big factor in that. But at the same time, it's also a little bit easier because you don't have to compete with AFL, A-League, uh, Super Rugby, all these other things that normally come into uh, when, when a, draw, a full draw is normally done. Uh, it, there's something like 125 trillion options to come up with, which means it takes months. The NRL has a couple of weeks at this stage but it is also easier on that front. So we're hoping early next week, there'll be a decision on that, uh, on who's playing who and when and where. And the other aspect of it is, is at the moment we've got rugby league right through until the end of October 25. Uh, and so that's, there's no, there's no free weekends at this stage, which begs the question, what happens if a game does have to be moved or cancelled or, sorry, cancelled would be the wrong word, postponed or uh, amended if someone does te test positive to uh, coronavirus? And so the possibilities there are probably midweek games at this stage. 
whether that gets off the ground is one of the other sticking points in negotiations. Okay, so we know we've got footy all the way through until October 25. Brad Walter, do we have any international footy uh, beyond October 25? Because, of course, the Kangaroos were meant to travel to the UK and have uh, test matches. I think it was uh, November 1, November 7, November 14. Yeah, well, I think, I think we can assume that the Kangaroo tour is off. State of Origin is going to be played in November. So um, that's an opportunity for international football for the Oceania Cup that was going to be on or for at least for uh, Tonga versus New Zealand and some of the Pacific nations to play while the, um, while the, uh, the origin, is, origin is on at the same time. However, um, the big issue for International Rugby League is going to be um, whether or not crowds are allowed. If, if crowds aren't allowed, there won't be any test matches because International Rugby League basically relies on gate receipts um, as opposed to broadcast money. And if, um, if, if, they can't get crowds, then the likes of Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, uh, you know, even New Zealand rugby league can't they can't afford to um, to spend the sort of you know the sort of money that's involved in putting on a test program um, without any return from gate receipts and uh, and those sort of things. So um, I think it's you know there's a lot of hope that crowds will be allowed back by the time of the finals and and Origin. And if that's the case, we'll I think we'll see some test matches, and I think, I think they'll all be here in Australia as well, um, probably up in Queensland. Um, but um, if there's no crowds allowed, there won't, there won't be any in the National Rugby League this season. Okay, that's a very interesting development. Hopefully, for everybody's sake, uh, we do see crowds back, because it was one of the highlights of all rugby league, I, I think, that I've ever seen live was uh, Tom of Eden Australia last year. It was just absolutely epic scenes over at Eden Park. Uh, we've got to move on. Uh, signings, tracker, player movement. Dan, this must have been music to your ears. Negotiations are back. Uh, <laughs> players, clubs, player managers, they're talking again. And don't you love it? The big news, uh, mm. which you had a story on last week, uh, Jordan Rappiner finally confirmed uh, as a signing for the Green Machine. What a boost that is. Uh, Felice mm. Kafusi takes up uh, an option for his uh, 2021 a contract with the Melbourne Storm. Uh, guys, Josh Reynolds back to the Bulldogs. It was reported uh, earlier this week. What, what's going on? Uh, well, yeah, Zach, it's one that it has been around the block a few times, this idea. Uh, where there's smoke, there often is a little bit of fire. But uh, as far as I think it's a little bit related to another fella in terms of Benji Marshall at the, um, at the Tigers. He's said that, uh, and it's not one that, um, it, just, it doesn't just apply to Benji, it applies to a bunch of guys across the game in terms of, uh, does this shortened season potentially bring them back around for next year? Uh, and it's I think everyone's still going to hold fire and see what happens. But if Benji was to play on, I think Josh Reynolds would seriously consider looking at moving on elsewhere. Whether the dogs would uh, jump at him, I'm not too sure. But there is, yeah, it has been around a few times and Josh has made no secret about the fact that he'd love to go back to Belmore on the right terms. Uh, whether Canterbury are genuinely uh, entertaining it, uh, it'll probably have to play out. But if, if Benji's still there at Concord, there's really no, there's no way that Grubb really plays, uh, you know, regular top 17 football given... You know, he could, he could go for a bench utility option, whereas if you take Benji out of the mix, then there is, yeah, there is more scope for him to get more game time. 
Brad, do you think uh, Benji Marshall will play on in 2021? I put the question to him today and he did his best to go, come on, mate. I don't, I'm not focused on next year yet. I just want to focus on now. Well, I think, that, I think he's telling the truth. I think um, at the moment, I think everyone's focused on the immediacy and nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, you know, don't even really know what the salary cap's going to be next season. Um, you know, what clubs are going to be able to afford. But if Benji has a good season and he's still enjoying his footy, um, well, I'd like to see him play. I'd like to see him play for as long as he's enjoying his footy. Because when he's enjoying his footy, I enjoy watching him play. And I think we all do. So um, I wouldn't rule it out, you know. And I think a, players, a lot of players are going to be refreshed from this extended break they've had. And, and I'm sure it's going to be an intense um, season, but it's not going to be as long and it's not going to take as, as big a toll on players' bodies as what it has in the past. Yeah, and uh, he said that if Cameron Smith retires, he'll officially be the eldest player in the game uh, next year. And he said, I don't know if it's a tag that I want or not. So that could come into his thinking. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see Cameron Smith play play on either. And, and you know, and, and again, he'll just keep playing for as long as, as long as he's playing well and as long as he's enjoying his footy. I can't see any reason for him to quit. Yeah, well, I was just about to say, Brad, that, that is the chat out of Melbourne at the moment uh, because Cam is... He's sporting a beard, uh, much like our host. Whether it improves his footy, we're just gonna we've got to wait and see when the competition returns. But uh, the interesting thing for Melbourne on the Cam Smith front is uh, their succession planning because they've got Harry Grant, who's on loan at the Tigers, but is due to go back, and Brandon Smith also in that mix. Uh, both these guys, most clubs are viewing them as first grade hookers and starting hookers. And it's a really interesting uh, question that Melbourne has to face because there's no way that you pass up having a guy like Cameron Smith in your team, you know, even if it is for 12 months. But at the same time, if they're, uh, if they're guys that they're planning to replace him eventually, if another team comes in and offers them another, you know, a chance to play first grade and Harry Grant does have, have a clause in his contract that he can leave if, uh, if Cameron Smith plays on, well, they're left weighing up. Do we go with Cam for another year? Which I think you do, but potentially you lose one of the guys that you've been grooming to eventually take over from him. So uh, that'll be an interesting one that plays out throughout the year. And uh, we'll see a lot of this stuff start to fire up over the next month now that um, yeah, contract negotiations can kick off in earnest and yeah, contracts are being registered by the NRL again. I was just going to say, I think what's what's probably happened as well with players, just like us, where we're really missing the footy, they've all been sitting around for six weeks in in isolation, and they've realised how much they miss footy and how di- how hard it would be to to walk away, you know. So at the moment, I think everybody's uh, refreshed and really keen, and and they just want to train and play, and you know they they've realised how much they love the game. Dan, uh, what's the latest on Moses Sully? Uh, well, it's an interesting, again, I think it's going to develop over the next few weeks, but it is an interesting one. Uh, there was reports uh, midway through the hiatus that Moses was, he'd signed and sealed off to the Dragons on a three-year deal. Uh, all parties denied that, which wouldn't be the first time that that's happened and it's and then the deal happens anyway. But I know Manly are, pretty, are very keen to keep him. And it's an interesting one for Moses, who is... Obviously, he's been around a few clubs, and but he really found his feet last year under under Desert Manly. He's got at least, a, from what I understand, a two-year offer from Manly on the table, 
and the Dragons have been talked about as a three-year offer. But I'd be surprised if Manly don't come back to the table with a better with a better deal for him now that contracts can be registered and things can uh, progress normally. And I think Moses will face a, a, um, a pretty interesting decision over the next month or two as to what he does with his future. Well, it was great for the uh, my Manly Seagulls last year. So uh, no doubt, as you said, they'll try and hang on to him. Uh, just quickly, the Chemist Warehouse Casualty Ward, any updates on that front? Uh, yeah, a few little things. Um, so David Fida, as we know, he went under the knife. Uh, it was a while ago now. It was uh, probably six to, six to seven weeks. But uh, And so Brisbane are sitting tight on in terms of his exact recovery timeframe. But we can expect him to miss not just round three when it comes back on May 28, but a few games afterwards as well. And David Fusatua over at the Warriors, he... He's not scheduled to fly to Australia until next week. Nathaniel Roach, the uh, young hooker of theirs who uh, underwent a COVID-19 test, that came back negative. So he was right to fly on Thursday today and he will, once he arrives in Sydney, he'll observe two weeks of quarantine. David Fusatua, who stayed behind on personal reasons, will do the same, but he won't take off until next week, which means by the time he observes that quarantine and comes out, he'll He'll, he'll rejoin his teammates within about two or three days before they play their first game. Uh, he won't have had any contact training, any group training for about two months by that point. So you won't see him in the first, in the first round when we get back. Uh, maybe the second, if not uh, sitting out two weeks there. Okay. Uh, of course, our simply the best team of the last 30 years is building uh, nicely. We've got our fullback, Billy Slater, our wingers, Wendell Saylor and Hazem El-Masri, our centres, Mal Meninga and Greg Inglis, our 5 Darren Lockyer. Now, we had more than 136,000 fans vote in our online poll and on our NRL Instagram and Facebook accounts for the best halfback uh, of the last 30 years. Uh, believe it or not, it came down to two players, drum roll please, Andrew Johns and Jonathan Thurston. Uh, I mean, look at a player like Cooper Cronk, Alfie Langer. Uh, they were edged out. Uh, Andrew Johns edged out by Jonathan Thurston. Brad, are you surprised? I'm, yeah, I'm surprised. But, but on one hand, I'm surprised because I think that Andrew Johns, well, he's an immortal, uh, already an immortal, um, you know, arguably the greatest Certainly, the, one of the, arguably the greatest player I've ever seen, um, and, and the greatest player for a long, long time. Um, but Jonathan Thurston, he's fresher in people's memories. Um, also, I think that there's a lot of Queenslanders vote in these things. I think most of the players that have been, that have uh, been selected have been Queenslanders. You know, but fair enough, they dominated state of origin for a long period of time. Uh, just from a personal point of view, I think that uh, that Andrew Johns, people. People who saw him play thought he was, you know, the best player they'd ever seen. Uh, people would drive, you know, hours to go and watch him play. He was worth the price of admission alone. Um, he, he was someone you, when, when, he, when he was playing on, when the game was on TV, you turned it on. Um, he was just a joy to watch and he was such a, uh, a smart and creative player. Um, I think, though, that when people look at his record um, compared to Jonathan Thurston's, it doesn't compare as well uh, and, and also Joey played a, played in the number nine jersey at rep level a lot but 
And people think, oh, that's because he, he wasn't the, the first choice halfback. But what pe people who didn't see those games or, or may have forgotten is that Joey played halfback in the majority of those matches and Jeff Tuvey played hooker. Jeff Tuvey couldn't pack down in scrums. So Joey packed down in the scrums and he wore the number nine jersey. Uh, and then later on, um, Brett Kamali, who was another outstanding halfback, um, um, they just had to find a way to fit Noddy and Joey in the team. And Noddy wasn't really a, a, half, uh, a hooker dummy half player and Joey had the ability to play there. And obviously him getting his hands on the ball, ball um, at dummy half, he had that kicking game, that great vision, um, that pass, long passing game. Um, so I, I just think that maybe a lot of people sort of um, don't remember what Joey did or how good Joey was when, when they've come to um, come to vote in this um, this poll. Wouldn't you love to see it happen again? Joey just slots in at number nine, uh, and just to get him in the team somehow and pushes that bloke Cameron Smith out of the way just to fit Joey in the team as always. What about um, what I'd like to see is Joey. I'd say Joey would never have played with Thurston. He played with uh, Lockyer, and Lockyer played with uh, Thurston as well. But Joey, as far as I know, Joey never played a game with Jonathan Thurston. The two of those together would be unbelievable. So unpredictable and so so smart. Yeah, it would be all time. But unfortunately, uh, we'll never see that, Brad, unless they come out for a golden oldies game. Uh, of course, uh, this week, fans can uh, vote for the best lock. Now, this is red hot. Um, from Friday, that's midday tomorrow, uh, our poll will be online. Our candidates, Greg Bird, Sam Burgess, Bradley Clyde, Jim Dimmick, Paul Gallen, Ben Kennedy, Brad Mackay, uh, Corey Parker, Glenn Stewart, Jason Tamalolo, guys. Someone, can you pick someone in that list? Can you differentiate it? Well, um, look, really hard to go past Bradley Clyde. I know that a lot of people will, will um, think Jason Tomalolo. He's absolutely outstanding. He may have changed the way that um, lock forwards play in the, in this current era. Um, but, you know, Greg Bird was an outstanding lock as well. Um, ben Kennedy, there's some really... Paul Galvin, um, you know, there's some fantastic... Uh, fantastic players there, and uh, it's really hard to. For me, it's probably I'm probably leaning towards Bradley Clyde, um, but uh, you know, it's, it's such an outstanding list, and it's made even better when you consider there's no Jake Tavoyevich, who you know maybe if we did this poll in five years' time, he he would you think he would be there, but there's some uh, some some big names that have missed out as well, aren't there? Mm. Um, yeah, so just. Uh, the one of the key arguments that always comes up with the Immortals is, you know, did they change the way their position was played? And I think the guys that you've both mentioned in that facet, Brad Clyde and Jason Tormalolo, they do, you know, arguments can be made for both. Uh, Clyde, you know, he gets mentioned, he and Wayne Pierce really drove that um, workaholic, skilled, uh, you know, lock of the the late 80s, early 90s, and um, Tormalolo, again, just this power base that we haven't really seen from a forward in terms of the power and the footwork at the same time, but with this incre incredible work, work rate as well. So I think this might be almost the hardest position to split out of, uh, you know, what we've had so far. And that's saying something in terms of, you know, JT versus Joey, uh, Freddie versus Lockyer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is just as tight 
Uh, I've seen more of Jason Tomalolo play than I have Bradley Clyde. So I think that has to sway it for me. But not without saying Sam Burgess is responsible for yeah, the most courageous 80 minutes of footy I've seen from the 2014 grand final when he ran around with his face blown up like anything else. And he was told at halftime that he could lose his eye, you know, lose his sight based on the fractured cheekbone he was playing with. And the bloke won a Clive Churchill medal. So it's a pretty incredible list that we get to choose from here for the number 13 jumper. And you are going with? <laughs> I think I think Tom Alolo. I think Tom Alolo. Okay, so we've got Bradley Clyde, Jason Tamalolo. Yeah, we've got Bradley Clyde, Jason Tamalolo. I'll go with that man, Sam Burgess, only because I think a bit like Tamalolo to be fresh in their mind, I think Brad Clyde will be dudded because a lot of the voters wouldn't have seen him play. Uh, make sure you head to nrl.com uh, to vote uh, for the best lock in the last 30 years in our Simply the Best poll. Then next week, uh, you can head to NRL Instagram and Facebook pages uh, to vote between the final two. Just quickly this weekend, I won't get your answers yet because people will see it on nrl.com on Saturday. But the expert opinion uh, this weekend, uh, if you could clone one player to make a team from one through 17, 17 who would that be? The player would have to fill every position on the field and also be goal kicker. So that's any current player in the NRL. For our fans out there, uh, make sure you do that because it's Ivan. Ivan come up with mine. That's my task to do now, and my head is falling off just trying to think of trying to narrow it down and go through all the uh, great players in our game. Uh, Brad, before we head off, uh, your highlight of the week. What have you loved from this week? I've just loved the fact that. Players are back at training, and just the, you can see the smiles on their face and the enthusiasm, and it's it, the feeling that it's real and that the the, the 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 competition is about to resume. I think that's that's undoubtedly been the highlight. Dan, uh, I'm on the Warriors bandwagon all the way. The fact that this team is uh, they've come through so much, and uh, yeah, they're in the country, they're training, but they're literally in the country. They're out in the sticks at Tamworth, and by all accounts, they're loving it out there. So, uh, yeah, the Tamworth Warriors, I'm behind them. I'd love to see them get a, get a game at Scully Park in a, in a year or two. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting closer because of them. Yep, I agree. The Warriors all the way. Uh, big shout-out to Stacey Jones. Uh, they're putting on a spread for him tonight. A happy birthday uh, cake as well. Uh, happy 44th to the great halfback of the Warriors, who's also part of uh, their coaching staff over there. Uh, NRL TV, we've got plenty of... Uh, cracking classic games uh, this week. Friday night, classic match, 1992, round 22. Uh, King Wally, final game. Brad, you remember that. Uh, I dare say Dan and I don't. Uh, Saturday, we've got our Bundaberg Rum classic match, uh, 2003, round 10, Manly against Parramatta. And on Sunday, Arvo, what a cracker. The Telstra grand final classic match, 1997 grand final between the Seagulls and the Newcastle Knights. My first rugby league memory ever and one that will haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> one of the greatest games of all time. It was. I actually uh, watched that recently uh, and I just, I just thought it was absolutely epic. The, the, you can't script that final uh, passage in that grand final. Just why we love the game, I guess. Are we, uh, are we showing the, uh, the celebrations as well, Zach? Can we get the Knights better than Lego, all of that? Surely that's got to be part of it. 
Well, I don't know if it is, but I'll speak to our producers and make sure it's on the site somewhere because that line, uh, it's better than Lego by Matty Johns, uh, just set him up for the rest of his life on TV, right? And also Joey Joey riding his skateboard down to the celebrations the next day after breaking into Daniel Johns' house and <laughs> sleeping there. Brad, I'm going to have to cut you off there before you get too carried away. I heard it was quite the night up there in Newcastle, or quite the week, actually. Uh, once again, thank you. Uh, both for joining me uh, for our chat this week. And once again, more importantly, thank you to all our rugby league lovers out there, our fans of the greatest game of all for joining us once again. Uh, not long now until footy's back. As we said, it's great to see the players return to training uh, this week. We all hope you're holding up well and we'll be back with you again next week. <laughs>